ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for taking the time to listen uh, to this video that we've made available to you. Uh, my name is Spencer Smith, and I was uh, recently able to do an interview at our church's radio station with a man named Bob Hamlin, who's a member of our church. Uh, many of you out there who are fundamental Baptists know who Brother Bob Hamlin is. He's been a great faithful man of God, and uh, he's walked with giants. He's, uh, he's been around Lester Olaf, John R. Rice, and many other of the great men of faith, Brother Jack Hiles, and so many. And uh, he's, he's seen a lot of good things in his life. He's seen the hand of God. And I was given an, a unique opportunity to sit down with him and Brother Jerry Sexton uh, with Bearing Precious Seed. And we did an interview live on the radio here in March of 2018. And Brother Hamlin spoke of some of the experiences he's had where he's seen the hand of God move in his life and in his ministry. And it's been exciting to hear these great stories. And this is one of those special moments in life that I'll, I'll never forget this. It was wonderful to hear this. And God really challenged me in my prayer life, my faith. And I want to make this available to you to listen today. Uh, in this interview, you're going to hear us talk about money and, and some uh, promotions that we we're doing for a radio station. And uh, and just understand the context that this was during a share thon at a radio. Uh, Brother Hamlin started talking about prayer and fasting and revival and the move of God. And uh, I'm telling you, this is one of the great times in my life to hear this. And I want to make this available to you to challenge you as well. And this will be a blessing to you. Make sure you share this with your friends, your family, share it on social media. This is something that uh, that we 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 have to keep this uh, you know available to people. I want the next generation to know that prayer and fasting and seeking God and the hand of God is still available to them. And I want them to know that God is not dead and God is still alive. And the God of yesterday is still the God of today. And so take time sit down and listen to this and uh and it'll challenge your heart to love the lord more to believe god more and to know that jesus is still in the saving business god bless you friends as you listen three four and help us get to our next plateau of four thousand dollars brother hamblin is here in studio with us today thank you for coming preacher we appreciate your time yes, and sir. Uh, appreciate that brother jerry why don't you start us off with a question for brother hamblin there yes sir well there's there's a million things i'd like to ask you one of the uh questions that come to mind is uh just that we we're sitting here and we look down the playlist of a lot of these different broadcasts and men uh oliver b green and lester roloff and we hear these guys uh now all we have are the recordings right but the uh, question comes to mind is um what kind of interactions and uh what comes to your mind <laughs> uh stories things about uh brother roloff i know i know you Remember, you had met Brother Roloff, and uh, just uh, just I don't know. Share share some information with us, if you would, about uh, some of those guys. Brother Roloff was a very unusual man. He was a prayer warrior. Yes, sir. He was a disciplinarian. He had to be at one time. He had as many as I think two hundred girls in his uh, girls' home there in. Corpus Christi, Texas. Wow. In fact, uh, they were so strict on their diet down there. Uh, I've been down there several times. I had I had Brother Olaf in my church uh, up in Indiana uh, after this experience I'm going to tell you about. And I got some, exper got some experiences there. My dad, my dad was a drunkard in a and a saloon brawler for years. He come out of Corpus, come out of uh, 
Corbin, Kentucky. And um, I got him in Brother Roloff's home. It was called um, the City of Refuge. Mm-hmm. At the time frame that I'm speaking of, the City of Refuge was located in Culloden, Georgia. Hmm. And um, I was pastoring in Indiana. Um, Brother Roloff flew some of us down to his place in Corpus and um, some of us preachers. Uh, Brother Jordan knows James Brown up at uh, Bean Blossom. Mm -hmm. Uh, Clint Brainine, who was in Indianapolis for a long time. It's associated with Indiana Baptist College. He's in heaven now. Anyway, some of us flew down there. And and um, when Brother Olaf found out that my dad was over at the City of Refuge, he was showing us around. He had about 500 acres of property there that they were developing. Had his own private airstrip for his, had two planes. And... Um, but when he found out that my dad was an excavator, he uh, he wanted to bring my dad over from the city of refuge and hip him to to lay out and 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 uh, use the dozer and cut some streets because mm. they need to put in several more dozens of of mobile homes and all that for people to live in. So he so he said, uh, "I want you to be on my radio broadcast." That broadcast is still going on today. Wow. Uh, what is it called? The Roloff? Roloff Evangelistic Enterprise or something like that? Yeah. What's the name of the broadcast? The uh, Family Altar. Family Altar Program. Yeah. So he said, I want you to I want you to come over and, and uh, before we have chapel in the morning and and I want you to uh, I want you to give your testimony on the radio. So I went over and his his booth, these were these were um not CDs, the Forerunner CDs. Cassette tapes. Huh? Cassette tapes. Cassette tapes, yeah. <laughs> yes, That's excuse me, I'm an old man. <laughs> anyway, so it was interesting. Sometimes he would make a whole week of tapes, mm-hmm. you know, at one time. And sometimes he'd be laying flat on his back in his, in his room preaching to, on the radio and <laughs> recording, you know, and all that. Yeah. So anyway, we got through that. And, and he got my testimony, and so just as we were finishing up taping the broadcast, um, the chapel had started in the main auditorium, or some people call it the sanctuary. And he had about forty girls in the choir, and and they had all of the staff and all of the girls, and and um, then also there was a home for young ladies over eighteen. I thought. I think they called it the Ruth home or something. Anyway, they were all there, so <laughs> there was there were several hundred there. Wow! And all waiting. And at that time, he broadcast live over the city of Corpus, mm-hmm. uh, broadcast his chapel service live every day. Mm-hmm. Wow! So they were on radio. Mm-hmm. So we 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 come out of that taping room. He went straight to the pulpit. And stopped the singing. The girls were singing. He stopped it. On the side of the pulpit, there was an empty potato chip package and an empty Pepsi Cola bottle. (laughs) And uh, this is to show you how strict they were with their diet. You would have thought that was a whiskey bottle. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, he stopped knowing he's live on the radio. Yeah. 
Knowing the people of Corpus listened to him. <laughs> he held that empty potato chip package up. He held that oh, whiskey bottle. I mean that, <laughs> that Pepsi bottle. <laughs> he, said, he said, now whoever has done this, I want you to know I'm going to find you. You are not going to get away with this. I will find you. Yeah. And if I find you before you find me, you're out. He had a way of jerking his arm and his thumb, you know, like that. He said, you're out. You're gone. There's no hope for you. Wow. He said, you have got one hope. Oh, wow. And that is you get to me and repent. Oh, Before boy. I get to you, oh, and then he went into this thing about what Pepsi's doing, what potato chips do. <laughs> yeah, and he, uh, I mean, he is rough, but you know, you're dealing with demon possessed girls. You're oh, dealing wow. with kids that are drug. I remember, I remember one time being up at Doctor Hiles. Uh, no, no, it wasn't Doctor Hiles. It was, it was at Doctor Lee Robertson's. For the oh yeah yeah we had a preacher board graduating, so I was there for the graduation out of Tennessee Temple Schools, mm-hmm. and and Doctor Robertson was pa- handing out the diplomas as they come across come across you know, uh, and I forget who the dean was at that time I think it was, I think it was Wendell Evans before Evans went up with Doctor House, anyway, Doctor Doctor Robertson was passing out, and this and this young lady come across the platform. Dr. Robertson stopped everything, and he, and he laid his arm. He didn't put his arm around her, but he laid his arm. That old man laid his arm on her shoulder, and he said, I want to tell you about this young lady. She had graduated magna cum laude, mm-hmm. which is pretty good. Yeah, better than I did. <laughs> yeah. And he said, when she was a teenager, mm-hmm. she got hooked on drugs. The doctor said that her mind was a vegetable. Wow. And that she would never be able to take care of herself. Mm. She couldn't even take care of her own bodily functions. She couldn't eat. Mm -hmm. And she was a vegetable. Mm. The doctors told her mother that they they just needed to put her in a home Mm -hmm. where she could be taken care of, but she could not take care of of her home. And... She called Brother Roloff, mm. and she begged Brother Roloff to take her down to the uh, Rebecca home there in Corpus. Mm. <laughs> Brother Roloff told her, said, he said, we're not equipped. Mm. We're not equipped yeah, to sure. handle it. said, she just, she, and she was a big supporter of Brother mm. Roloff, and, yeah. and that helped. But he said, we'll give it a try. So they brought that girl to Corpus, and he set up a schedule mm-hmm. with the other girls. They bathed her. Mm-hmm. They took care of her. They fed her. She couldn't even walk. Mm. She couldn't do anything. But they read the Word of God to her all wow. day long. Wow. They took <laughs> shifts. Mm. They read they put cassette tapes of the Word of God at night. Yeah. And 24 hours a day, this girl has got the Word of God 
being put into her ear and put into her mind. Wow. And slowly but surely, she began to get to, to, to get her mind back. Yeah. And it came in stages and steps. But hmm. uh, she got to the place eventually where she was able to take care of herself, uh, eat, wow. take care of her bodily functions, mm-hmm. bathe herself, and went to school. Graduated with straight A's, went to Tennessee Temple School, graduated yeah. in four years. Wow. Magna cum laude. Wow. Shows you the power of wow. the Word of God right. and how much Brother Roloff believed yeah. in the wow. power of God. Wow. And, uh, I didn't realize they had the home for older girls. They uh, did. They I call got, it the Ruth Homes. I got saved as a result of we had a one of his girls' homes uh, they're doing special music during a revival meeting at our church. B.R. Lakin was preaching it. Mm. And uh, one of those girls' testimonies is what God used to grip me. Amen. And uh, about she wow. came home and her uh, house had burned down and her parents died in a fire. Mercy. And, and uh, I, all I could think about was, man, if that happened here, I'd be in hell. <laughs> and uh, Wow. That's, that, her testimony is what God used for Amen. Yeah, that's me, me to get saved when I was 13. Amen. Amen. That's yeah. wonderful. It's amazing. Amen. Well, preacher, um, I was going to ask you. You know, just uh, in your years of ministry and the and the people that you've seen. You know, we talk about big names all the time, and you know, Jack Hiles, Lester Roloff, John Rice, stuff like yeah. that. Uh, name somebody that uh, you know that that just really stuck out in your mind as this guy had God's power on his life. God used him, and uh, somebody that God used to impact your life in a great way. Would you share something like that with us? Well, I hope this won't get you in trouble. <laughs> I'm seventy five years old. Okay. In two weeks, I'm celebrating my 49th anniversary of preaching. Amen. So I don't have to worry about anything. No, no. (laughs) But the the one preacher that helped us Uh back in the late 60s, mid 60s to the mid 70s, before all of the before all the wheels started coming off and all that, but the preacher of preachers during that, and there were several of them. Mm But Dr. Jack Hiles helped the preachers. Wow. More than anybody. Amen. You didn't you didn't have to believe his style of ministry or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. But just his pulpit preaching to preachers mm-hmm. yeah. helped us. Amen. And I wow. would go to pastor school every year in March mm-hmm. for two reasons. I went to learn one thing mm-hmm. and I never copycatted anybody. You're right. The guy that stood up and said, you got to do it my way, I, the, he's the first guy I wouldn't listen to. Right. But you can always, you get in the conference, you can pick up at least one thing to help your church. Mm-hmm. Sure. But the other reason is I went there for the preaching. Right. And uh, and I don't know about the latter years of his life and all sure. that. I, I don't even want to get into that. But during that period of time, mm-hmm. he, he helped the preachers. Amen. Amen. And, uh, uh, of course... The truth of the matter is, Dr. Lakin was a great help. You mentioned him. Yes, sir. You know, B.R. Lakin came out of, in the 40s, he came out riding a mule, come out of West Virginia. And uh, he uh, he was a part of a convention. But uh, after a while, he left the convention and went with the straight independent fundamentalists. Right. So I asked him, I, I said, how, how, how did you depart? How did you leave the convention? Because... You don't just walk away from the conventions, mm-hmm. you know. 
I'm not saying which one it was. <laughs> but you can add to it. Yeah. Anyway, he said, here's how I left. He said, I just crawled in the saddle, tipped my hat, rode off in the sunset. <laughs> oh, man, oh, man. Oh, wow. Amen. Uh, you mentioned you were from down in, uh, your dad was down in Corbin. That's where my grandparents were from. Is that right? Yeah, Corbin, Kentucky. Well, back in my dad's day, Corbin was rough. Yes, sir. You know, we're going back into the late 30s and the 40s. I don't know how many men my dad probably killed down there. Back in those days, everybody packed iron. And, mm-hmm. and, and my dad just, he just liked to fight. When he, when he was sober, he, he was a reader. He never had much education, but he was a reader. And and he was knowledgeable in a lot of subjects. Mm-hmm. And uh, he came up, he left, Corb, left uh, Corbin and came up in the early, early 50s up to the Terre Haute, Indiana area. He became a um, he became a heavy equipment operator and was one of the best. In fact, back in the mid fifties, he worked out of the uh, the uh, the uh, union uh, out of Indianapolis. He's making over two hundred dollars a week back in the mid fifties. Oh wow! You know, it didn't work through the winter, but yeah, wow. Uh, but his problem is he never got home with much because he. Mm. He'd he'd light out for a tavern. And he'd get a few drinks in him. And he wanted to fight somebody. Yes, yeah. you know. My grandfather he he drank himself to death. Yeah. Sure. Well, my dad. It's an interesting story about my dad. If you want to hear it, I was running a revival meeting. This is years later. This is up in the early '80s. My sister called me. My dad and my mother, after 45 years, separated because of my dad's drunkenness and. And other things, and he'd he'd gone back to Cor- uh, Corbin to live out his life. And my sister called me and she said, "Bob, Dad's in the Baptist Hospital down there. It's right off I seventy five. At Corbin, said they're not sure he's going to make it." So I told that preacher that I was with. I said, "Now listen, I got to take off at six o'clock in the morning. It's going to take me six. I was at Greenfield, Indiana. I said it's going to take me six hours." to get to where my dad is and I'll have one hour to spend with my dad because I have to leave at one o'clock to get back here to preach at seven but I've got to go I had people mm-hmm. praying all across the country mm-hmm. praying for my drunken dad to be saved Amen. so I said I've got to make this one last attempt Yeah. so my wife and I took off it was on a Tuesday morning and we left at six o'clock Left Greenfield, got to the Baptist Hospital at 12 o'clock. And uh, I had one hour to spend my dad. Of course, he'd been in the hospital, so he was stone cold sober. My mother, my wife, sat over in the corner and prayed. And that one hour, I led my drunkard dad to Christ. <laughs> wow. And Man, then oh hightailed it back. Wow. And about three years later, I went back to see him. And I got, got, him, got him alone, just him and I. Looked him straight in the eye, and I asked him, now, I said, do you mean business when you called on the Lord three years? Because he had made professions at other times. Yeah. Yeah, he said, he said, I didn't. His life didn't show too much of a change because he had fallen mm-hmm. back mm-hmm. with his family and all of that. Right. But at least I've got that hope that I'll yes, see sir. him. Amen. Yes, sir. Man, sure. Got wow. saved when he was 82, died when he was 85. Wow. So. Wow. 
Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is WIP Sheriff's on here. We're taking your pledges. $45 away from our $4,000 goal. We're 502-531-0534 is the phone number you can call, 502-531-0534. And uh, we're here taking your pledges today, $132 away from the Youth Challenge being fulfilled of $500. And, uh, and so call in with that and make sure you get that in before service tonight, 730. That's the deadline, so 502-531-0534. And uh, we're live here in studio with Brother Hamblin, and we appreciate him and his time. Yes, sir. Uh, Brother Hamblin, uh, I want you to tell us today about, um, you know, uh, it, there's there's several things I want to ask you, and, and it seems like to me, you know, I hear these stories of these great moves of God in the past, and, uh, you know, what do you see that's different compared to a lot of preachers today and a lot of things just in the culture that today that you see that's different than it was now uh, back then? What, what do you think you see that's different that's changed over the years? Well, th- th- this doesn't speak for all young preachers, mm-hmm. but what I see today is fellas who want the product without paying the price. Mm. Wow, wow. Now, here's what I mean by that. Mm -hmm. I've kept records down through these years, Mm -hmm. almost 49 years now of Mm -hmm. preaching. And uh, the meetings where we've seen God do the greatest work Mm -hmm were meetings that ran at least a week yeah. and, and many times two weeks. Hmm. Wow. In fact, I've preached meetings that went as long as three weeks in the old days. Wow. And I'm not the greatest preacher in the world. Right. Uh, but we, we would have people, we would, have, we would sit up round-the-clock prayer chains yeah. right. through sure. the whole week of the meeting mm-hmm. where people were praying. Right. Yes, sir. And uh, uh, we had, in fact, it was interesting where I would introduce that to, to some places where they had never tried it. Some of, the, some of the fellows would come to me after the meeting was closed out, and they mm-hmm. said, you know, God's done so much for us, getting me up at 1 o'clock to pray for an hour, 2 o'clock. Then they would say, we're... Uh, we're just going to continue that. Oh wow! Wow! And uh, it helped them so much. So but prayer was a big part of these old. Prayer meetings. was the big was the biggest part. Yeah. And uh, and then we would have. There's no shortcut to that. We would That's absolutely a, not. Yeah. You know, my old mentor, Doctor Ford Porter, out of Indianapolis, who's been in heaven now since 1977. Doctor Porter was a, a great man of prayer. In fact. The main preacher at his funeral uh, preached the message. He entitled it, Oh, How He Knew How to Pray. Mm. And uh, Dr. Porter would spend hours and hours. He'd go over, he would go over to, his, uh, to the church and stretch out on the altar at 3 o'clock in the morning. The boys in the college that were doing cleanup would hear him in there. He'd pray out loud. He'd get on that altar at 3 o'clock on Sunday morning, mm. lay there. Uh, prostrate for hours. Wow! Praying around the world. Wow! Yeah. And he was—he coined this phrase: "Much prayer, much power. Little prayer, little power. Wow! Mm-hmm. No prayer, no power. Wow! Wow! And 
he taught us a great deal about prayer and and so we we put a great emphasis on prayer much prayer yes we would have people turn in the names of folks that they were praying for to get right with God or to uh, to get saved mm-hmm. and we'd print those off and give those to the prayer warriors and mm-hmm. so the names of those people were being prayed for around the clock. Wow. And I've seen, I, I remember, am I taking too much time? No, go ahead. Oh, no. Go ahead. Uh, I was running a meeting for an old-timer who's still alive. He's in his mid-90s. His name is Everett Britton. Uh, uh, built a church called Fairwinds Baptist Church in Fairwinds, Delaware. It's just outside of Wilmington, Delaware, <laughs> just off of Highway 40. And he had a had a good church, right about four four fifty, and and so the first time he had me there, and I've been there several times, but the first time I was there, we uh, we uh, we got the prayer chain going and praying for people and all of that, and and uh, I, I I want to tell you an interesting thing that happened in that meeting on on Sunday night, but. Before I tell you that, uh, I'll tell you what God did in that meeting. Mm-hmm. Uh, people were praying, and they got the burden for people. They were inviting people on Friday night of the meeting. Mm-hmm. When I gave the invitation, there was a, an elderly man and his wife who had sworn that they would he would never go to the altar. Mm. Wow. But they got a cup, an unsaved couple to come with them up in their 50s or 60s. Yeah. When the invitation started, had about a 40 voice choir singing the invitation. Mm-hmm. People were standing, the altars were filling up. Yeah. And that man's guest stepped out <laughs> and come forward to get saved. Wow. wow. And that guy got so happy. He was standing back there hugging his wife, tears running down his cheeks. <laughs> and this is a church that didn't practice that. He threw his heart, arms up in the air, and finally he just ran down to the altar and got on his knees. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. So, but but that was a result of people praying. Yes, sir. And yeah. it culminated um, two weeks before that. I was up in uh, a, a place called Middletown, Delaware, with an old friend, Ed Lasco. And uh, I don't know how many revivals I've preached for him, 15 or 20 down through the years. But we had the prayer chain going. And people inviting folk. And on Wednesday night, a, uh, on Tuesday night, one of the ladies in the church who worked in an office got her office manager to come to the church. Hmm. And... So she was really praying that she'd get saved. Well, she didn't get saved. So after the service, this lady came to the preacher and me. She said, I wish I'd never got involved in this. She said, I've got to go to work in the morning. My boss was here. She left. She didn't get saved. She's she's going to put it on me tomorrow. I know. I wish you'd have never got me. You know, I wish I'd have never brought her. Wow. Well, she left there wringing her hands. The next night, her boss came to church. Wow. And when the invitation was given, 
her boss stepped out and come forward and got saved. Amen. And she told me after the service, not the boss, but the other guy, she said, when I went to work this morning, she come over to my desk, and I just knew she was going to let me have it. And she said, you know, she said, I've been thinking about what that preacher said. Would it be all right if I go with you again tonight? And she came back next night and got saved. By the time we got through Friday night, we had 72 people saved. Wow. In that revival wow. meeting. Wow. But that was because people prayed. And when pray, when people pray earnestly, they work harder. Wow. So I got another story to tell you about Britain's church. Well, go ahead. You want to hear it? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Well, I've preached. In fact, I've even preached it here. I've, there are certain messages I've preached for over 40 years. I do have new ones. <laughs> as soon as my wife... Yeah, get you yeah, ready. Really. I start preaching. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Everett Britton called me, the pastor of this church at Fairwinds. He called me on a Saturday morning. I finished with Lasco. I was just telling you about where the mm-hmm. 72 people got saved. He called me on Saturday morning. He said, Brother Bob, he said, I just talked to Eddie on the phone. He told me what kind of meeting he had. He said, That's great. He said, you got any time open this spring? This was in March. I said, no, I'm, I'm booked clear through, clear through into the late fall. Well, he said, I need that water. Uh, he said, I got Hyman Appleman coming hmm. in June, but he said, we, we really need something now. Don't, right. don't you have anything, any time at all? I said, Everett. I'm getting ready to go to New Jersey. No, I'm getting ready to go to Philadelphia, preach for Eddie Hall. And then next Saturday, I'm going up to New Jersey. One of our preacher boys is going to be there just for a Sunday. And then I've got five days off. And I'm taking my wife to a conference. And uh, she's been looking forward to it. And I said, that's the only time I got he said, Brother Bob, I believe God wants you to come and hold a revival for us. I, I, I said, Ever, what do you mean? He said, I believe you need to come. I said, the only time I could come would be next Sunday night, a week from tomorrow night, and go through Friday night. I can't even be there on a Sunday morning. Well, he said, we can make it work. He said, if you can do that. I said, Everett, that's too short a notice. Your people, you got too, you got had a big Christian school. I said, man, you can't do that. He said, yes, I can. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. So I said, oh, I know how it was. I was going to New Jersey the next day, and then I was going to Philly on Monday, going Monday night through Sunday morning. That's what it was. So on the way up to uh, to uh, New Jersey. I told my wife, I said, oh, by the way, Brother Britton called me. He wants us to come start next Sunday night instead of us going to the conference. And, boy, she just uh, <laughs> oh boy. she kind mm. of frowned up a little bit. And I said, now, don't, don't worry, don't worry. He's going he's gonna to start talking with his staff, and uh, 
he's going to realize that he can't put the meeting together in that short order. So, but I got to call him. I got to call him Monday morning before we leave Jersey. So I preached for my buddy Shields all day on Monday, Sunday, Monday morning. Before I left New Jersey, I called him and I said, Brother Britton, this is Bob Hamblin. Oh, he said, hey, we got everything ready for you. Oh, wow. He said, wow. We're, we're excited about it. You come in here next Sunday night and we'll be fired up. Oh, man. Oh, man. Well, I'm going to tell my wife. <laughs> and uh, so I, uh, I promised my wife a whole bunch of stuff. I'm sure I did. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so I closed that meeting Sunday, Sunday morning and Philly dropped down. Well, I took the time on Sunday evening to get the 24-hour prayer chain established. You know, it mm. takes a long time, but it's worth it. And then I preached the message that God has used. The title is All Things Are Possible. You know, Jesus said, if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, mm-hmm. you shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and mm. nothing shall be impossible unto you. Mm-hmm. How be it? This kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. Mm-hmm. And and I start that with quoting some places in the New in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, where it says, For with God all things are possible. But he says in Matthew he says in Matthew seventeen, if you have faith, nothing shall be impossible unto you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so so I would preach on that and tell stories about about people uh being saved because folks because folks uh um fasted and prayed uh, and I can tell you some stories you probably won't believe but uh, but how God worked mm-hmm. so I preached that message well after the service on Sunday night a lady come to me young girl looked like I don't know maybe she may have been uh, she may she looked like she's about 30 but she she must have been about 40 and she came to me and she was crying. Mm-hmm. And she said, uh, Preacher, she said, Our oldest daughter is 18 years old. This was the third week of March of that year. Mm-hmm. She said, Our oldest daughter ran away from home back in October, just dropped out of sight. Mm-hmm. Left us a note, said she was tired of the standards. She was about to graduate from the Christian school. Hmm. She had always been active and everything. She said, I'm tired of the standards. I'm tired of all these rules. I've found a different group of friends. Don't even try to find me. You won't be able to. She said, we tried, the police tried to find her. We hired the private detective, said she just dropped out of sight. We have no hmm. idea where she's at. That was in October. This was in the third week of March. She said this. She said, but after hearing what you said, she said, I promise God here at this altar, I'm going to fast and pray until my daughter comes home. Hmm. Please pray for her. 
I went back to the motel. My wife had to go on back to where we were staying, and I was in that motel room. I got sick. I thought, oh, man, what if she finds out her daughter's dead? Maybe she took an overdose or something. And I and I, I wrestled with God. God, are you sure I was right in preaching that message? Hmm. You know? Wow. Wow. I mean, man, I was doubled up. And I went through Monday preaching in the school in the mornings, Monday night. On Tuesday night, I'm sitting on the platform. And in a big, high platform, about five foot up above the floor level. And you could sit there. You could see every seat in that auditorium, the different aisles, you know. I saw that woman come in, that mother. She had two pieces of paper in her hand. She was laughing and dancing and crying at the same time. Only a woman can do that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> we mean we do it one at a time. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, she and she was she was showing off this piece of paper and some of the ladies were hugging her and and she looked up and saw me sitting up there on the platform and she ran down that aisle slinging snot in one direction and tears in the other. She ran up there to that plat to to the edge of the platform and she said, Preacher, look at this. And I went over and I, I knelt down and she handed me a letter from that daughter, that wayward daughter. She said, My husband and I just came by the post office and picked up our mail and I just read this out in the parking lot. Mm. And it was a, it was a letter from her runaway daughter. She said and I wish I'd had her make me a copy of it, but I didn't. But basically, this is what she said in that letter. She said, Dear Mom and Dad, I know that I'm the last person that you ever want to hear from mm -hmm. because of what I've done to the cause of Christ and the name of Christ and the reproach I've brought upon the school and the church, but mainly upon the family. Mm -hmm. And she said, I, I I know you would never want me to darken the door ever again. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you never want to see me. But I just had to call you and tell you. When I ran away, I felt I fell into sin, and she started describing some of the stuff, some of the stuff she got into. I I I, I wouldn't even mention in a in a, uh, a an office uh, auditorium full of men, let alone. Combine, I wouldn't. She wrote it out. She was heartbroken, mm. and she said, "She said, but she said, the further into sin I went, the more the verses of scripture that I had memorized, mm. going all the way back to 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 vacation Bible school and the Christian school and and family altar." She said. Those scriptures kept coming back to me, wow. and I wow. couldn't get them out of my mind. She even wrote out a few of the verses, and she said, I got to the place where I could not go any deeper into sin, and I had to get out of it, mm. and I've left the world, mm. and I'm going to go someplace, try to rebuild my life for Christ. Mm. I know you would never. I'm too filthy and dirty for you to ever allow yeah. me to come home and I know that you wouldn't do that that I don't blame you but I would ask you to 
just forgive me and pray for me as I try to rebuild my life for Christ. Mm. Well, by the time I'm done reading that, I'm crying. Mm. And I said, what are you going to do? She held up that other other piece of paper, and it was the envelope that that letter came in and had a return address (laughs) on it up in Wilmington, Delaware. She said, as soon as you get done preaching, my husband and I are going to get our daughter, and we're going to take her home. Amen. (laughs) But you see, that's fasting and praying. Yeah. Yes, sir. Wow. You know, it's the the same ingredients. I've heard my dad tell story after story after story of that that same kind of scenario of God doing that in people's lives. Uh, Same thing. Um, it again that that's not a that's not a fancy program that's not a new no. procedure. Uh, there, when you think of when you think of Doctor Charles Keene at Milford, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? First things missions. Uh, first thing that comes to my mind is his prayer life. Wow, he's mission hearted. Yes, sir. But Charles Keene walks with God. He's a yes, prayer sir. warrior. That's what we used to before and during our mission conferences every year. That was our big thing. I mean, mission conference, but yeah. we, we had the we had the twenty four hour prayer chains and stuff going. That was a that was a common thing. Yes, up hmm. there. Yeah. Wow. You'll never find any preacher that gets missions out of more different places in the Bible than Doctor Charles <laughs> Keene. That is for sure. He gets it out of Genesis eighteen. That is, that is for sure. <laughs> he gets yeah. it everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you another story about that fasting and praying. How that message that I was talking about developed. Mm-hmm. If I get to running too long, just tell me. No, now. go ahead, preacher. You're fine. I can reminisce. No, go ahead. Well, I need, I need something to preach about tonight. Well, uh, <laughs> no. I had an evangelist. I was pastoring up in a place called Covington, Indiana. Mm-hmm. In fact, I was there two different times, 20 years apart. When I was there, in, uh, I can talk about that church all night long. It was a praying church. Covington at that time was population of 3,300. Mm-hmm. We averaged 350 in attendance in that little country town. Wow. But we had we had 47 men and women mm-hmm. that committed to God to pray anywhere from 15 minutes to an hour a day mm. for the, not not for their private devotions, but for the ministry of the church. Mm. I'd give them a new prayer list every Wednesday hmm. night, things to pray for. Hmm. We, we had two ladies in the church that prayed for two hours a day. Wow. One of them worked a 40-hour job. Wow. But it was praying church. Well, I had Dick Seaton in for a revival, and and um, uh, we went. We, we had a great meeting, and we went through Saturday. We went through. We went Sunday morning through Sunday morning. And he left, and he went over into Illinois about 50 miles west of us. And he told me this later. He said, I started the meeting in Illinois on a Sunday night. He said, after after the service, I was standing with the preacher, and uh, he uh, we were standing talking, and a lady came by, a member of his church. And, she, and Dick had preached on fasting and pray. And she said, uh, Preachers, please pray for my unsaved husband. Hmm. 
She said, my unsaved husband is good to me in so many ways, but he's a lost man. I can't get him to come to church. Mm. But I made a promise to God that I'm going to pray. I'm going to fast and pray. I am not going to eat a bite of food or sleep a wink hmm. until my husband gets saved. Hmm. Please pray for him. Hmm. And she went out. The next night, she was at the altar, and she said the same thing to the preacher. She said, please pray. Because I promised God again tonight, I wasn't going to eat a bite nor sleep a wink until mm. my unsaved husband gets saved. Mm. This mm. went on all week long from Sunday night clear to Sunday morning after every service, Sunday night through Saturday night. She came, made the Man. same request, and made the same commitment to God. Nick said I was sitting on the platform on Sunday morning. She came in. Her husband came with her and their nine-year-old boy. Mm. He sat down on one side of his daddy and his mom sat down on the other side. He said, I just knew he's going to get saved. Mm -hmm. That woman had fasted and prayed for a week. Mm. Said, I just knew he was going to get saved. Yeah. He said, I preached. He said, I preached to one man. He said, when I gave the invitation, he said, that little boy grabbed a hold of his daddy's arm and said, Daddy, please get saved. Hmm. His wife grabbed a hold of the other arm, said the same thing. He pushed his little boy in one direction, pushed his wife out of the way and stormed out of the building. Wow. That woman hit the altar hmm. after the service, which closed the revival. <laughs> Because he had to go down the road and start another on Sunday night. Mm. That was common practice back in those days. Yeah. She said, please keep praying for my husband. Because mm. I promised God again this morning. I'm not going to sleep a wink. Mm. Nor eat a bite. Until my husband gets saved. Mm. Wow. She went in. Brother Dick Seaton told me. He said, I left that meeting defeated. I couldn't believe that man didn't get saved. Said I started this meeting preached Sunday night, I preached Monday night. Tuesday night, I was in the pastor's office. We just had prayer getting ready to head for the platform and the telephone rang. And it was the pastor of that church that he had just been with. Hmm. He said, the preacher handed the phone to me, he wouldn't talk to me, and he said, he was so excited I had to calm him down before I could understand what he's saying. And so he rehearsed that woman said, you know, what she had done. He said, yeah, I know. I remember. He said, well, yesterday morning, Monday morning, she got her husband up hmm. just like he'd done all last week, fixed his breakfast, fixed his lunch, sent him off to work. Mm -hmm. Didn't, didn't fast or didn't, didn't fast and prayed. They didn't sleep all that. This morning she got up, mm. fixed his breakfast, packed his mm. lunch, sent him off to work. She, He said, about noon he come home. Mm. 
This is on Tuesday of the second week. Hmm. Wow. He said to me, honey, I don't feel very good. Would you call that preacher? Hmm. Wow. <laughs> he said, she called me, and I went over there, and I led that man to Christ. Wow. Not because he was a great soul winner. Yeah. Yeah. But that wife of his prayed for almost wow. a week and a half. Wow. Fasting and praying. Wow. And that's where that message of mine got started. Man. And, uh, well, you think that the verse, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And there's an awful lot in that one four little word, much. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Man, right. in God's in God's measuring scale, how much does much mean? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ephesians, he says, Bob Ford's one of his favorite verses. Yeah. Yes, sir. Known to him that is able to do exceeding abundantly. Above all. Above all, we ask or think. Yes, yeah. sir. Well, so, I, can, I can ask and think of some big things. Yeah. Well, I think he can do beyond that. Well, God can do more than that. Hmm. Wow. I, I really believe. I honestly believe. And... I say this as an indictment against me as much as anybody else. If, if we if we really want to see what God was doing back in the 60s and the 70s. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not talking about all the promotional stuff, be mm-hmm. like me, do it like I do. I'm not, I'm not even talking about being in the, names, in the numbers game. You know, I'm, I'm not talking mm-hmm. about that. But if, we, but if we want the power of God, I've, I've preached in, in teen meetings, and it'll still happen there. Mm-hmm. In fact, it happens there more than it does churches in most places. But I've preached in teen meetings, <clears throat> uh, you know, what do they call them, teen camps? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And some nights couldn't even get through the message. The altars would fill up, and people would come weeping, begging God, you know, mm-hmm. uh, to get saved. And wow. some nights not even preach at all. You know, just the singing sparked it. But it was because yeah. people were laying down yeah. hours and hours and hours of prayer. And uh, wow, God help us. Yes, sir. Wow. To pray. Yes, sir. We get home, we're going to find out if we had prayed more and work a little less. We got a little more done. Wow. Dr. John Rice said prayer is hard work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's right. You know, mm-hmm. I, Dr. Keene used to always say, I, I, doubt, I, I doubt that it was coined by him. But he used to say all prayer, all, all failures are prayer failures. Sure. Yeah. You know where he got that? He got that out of John Rice's book. Yeah. On uh, uh, asking and receiving. That's what. Mm-hmm. That's what. That's what Doctor Rice said. Yeah. <laughs> that's he used to he used to say that a lot. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, uh, speaking of John Rice, preacher, you got any anything about John Rice you'd like to say? Well, John Rice. Was a soul winner. Mm-hmm. Right. He was a soul winner. Read his book. Every Christian ought to read his book. Prayer, asking and receiving. Yes. He'll tell you some stories in there about fasting and praying that, that uh, will encourage you and challenge your faith, believe me. Amen. And... Uh, uh, we had Dr. Rice for a meeting in uh, uh, Elkton, Maryland in December of 1973. 
there there's something about those preachers that came out of the South. Now, Dr. Rice and his brother Bill Rice and their half-brother Joe Rice, who died before them, they were all out of Texas. Mm-hmm. But the, and and uh, Dr. Mel Rudder was out yeah. of he was originally out of Ohio, but yeah, but he uh, he claimed to be from Mississippi because he worked out of Natchez, you know, for so many years. Yeah. There was one thing that he and J. Harold Smith was was that way. I think J. Harold Smith was out of Arkansas, I believe. But anyway, they were Southern gentlemen. Hmm. No matter how hard they preached. Mm-hmm. Did you ever hear J. Harold Smith preach God's Three Deadlines? I never have, no. Oh, you ought to get that CD and listen to it. Hmm. I'll tell you, it'll just peel the hide right off of you. Hmm. Wow. What did I say? God's Three Deadlines? Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah. And uh, get get R.G. Lee's uh, Payday Someday. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, R.G. Lee was as gracious as anybody you ever met in your life. In the pulpit. Sometimes they could peel the paint off of the wall. But that's the way Dr. Rice was. Hmm. I, I've eaten with Dr. Rice. I've talked with him. And uh, we had him in our church. And he uh, he was gracious. I I remember when I was in Bible college, he came and, and he preached uh, in chapel. And uh, he, uh, after he got done preaching, he, he was the first speaker, and no, I'm sorry. He was the second speaker that night, and uh, he was an old man then. He died in the late seventies. Wow. He uh, during the invitation, he come off of that pulpit, and he was just going and talking to people, hmm. going and talking to men, and uh, hmm. checking out their salvation. You know, just feeling his way up the crowd. Wow. And I looked at that, and I was pretty young then, but I thought, man, there's some things I don't want to lose. Mm. And I don't ever want to lose a heart for people. Wow. John Rice had a heart for people. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Praise the Lord. Well, yeah, his book, um, uh, I was, I've been told by several preachers to read his book, uh, Prayer, Asking, Receiving, read that every year. Well, and I don't blame them for reading it every year. Yeah. They ought to. Amen. <laughs> I'll tell you another book they ought to read every year. They ought to read uh, Trail of Blood. Oh, wow. wow. That'll keep us in touch with our Baptist heritage. Amen. And the price that was paid mm-hmm. for what we're enjoying even to this day. Right, right. Another book they need to read. They need to get a hold of Raven Hill's book on why revival tarries. Mm. Wow, yeah, yeah. It was either Havner or Raven Hill. That said, is this revival? Mm. <laughs> Fance Havner said, we Baptists are many, but not much. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's quite wow. a statement. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. Man, oh, man. Did you ever, re- did you ever meet Ravenhill? No. Mm. No. Yeah. I never got to meet Vance Havner. Really? Yeah, one of our preacher boys who's <laughs> dead now. Uh, he used to go down and see Vance Havner in the latter years of his life. Right. Down in South Carolina. Okay. To tell me some stories, but I, I never got to meet. Okay. 
having her. Amen. Well, all right. Well, we're here today at the WIP Sherathon, and uh, it's spring Sherathon time. And you can give us a call 502 Hey, we have some pledges that have come in. Let me get these pledges out here for us today. And uh, we have a pledge from Savannah, Micah, and Samuel, which those are my kids for $30 for the Youth Challenge. And then we have another pledge here for uh, $100 from Colton Weddle. And uh, Colton's my buddy. And uh, that is $100. And so that puts us over the $4,000 mark. And we are Amen. only at $32.55 away from our Youth Challenge being done. Thirty-two fifty-five. That's all we need. And we have to have that done by 7.30, a little over an hour from now. And so give that uh, give that uh, give that in real quick as quick as you can. Give us a call on that 502-531-0534 502-531-0534. We are $32.55 away from our youth challenge being met. And so that's really good. Brother Jerry's getting close. Yes it is. It's kind of amazing. It seemed like such a far uh lofty goal when we first mentioned it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't oh, think yeah. we'd do that. I thought five hundred dollars yeah. was a little bit out there, but uh, I guess yeah. that shows him my faith. <laughs> is is there a particular topping that you're dreading the most? Uh, the sprinkles. <laughs> sprinkles. The, the sprinkles. Yeah. Yeah. Those are going to be horrible because it's going to get in your in your nose and all that kind of oh, stuff. Boy. So yeehaw. Oh boy. Well, hallelujah. Anyway, that's yeah. all you could say. <laughs> oh boy, it's a payment for something I've done wrong lately. Amen. <laughs> so. But give us a call, 502-531-0534, 502-531-0534. And we're going to step off here, take a, just a few-minute break, play some music here. Got uh, Lane Wilson coming on, and then we got Mike Zachary. Uh, stay with us here. We're going to take just a few minutes break, and uh, we'll play some music. God bless you guys. WIOP Radio. Am I doing all uh, We're here today back again in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, WIOP Sherathon here today and excited about what the Lord has done so far and what the Lord will do and continues to do in here in the Sherathon and it's exciting to see all that. So, uh, brother, anybody that's been driving around or throughout the week has the opportunity to uh log on and listen and uh to the radio broadcast that's heard your wonderfully pleasant voice. Yeah. But they've never had the opportunity to meet you. They may want to swing by tonight and enjoy the Yeah. Not just an introduction to you, but enjoy the activities that's going to follow. Well, I, you know, I uh I tell you what, that that may be a blessing just to <laughs> but they may think we're crazy. But they probably yeah. think that already. It's okay. Yeah. But anyhow that's service start at seven thirty, then immediately after the service. Yeah. That's we'll, when all the excitement will we'll have take this, place. The, the human What's Sunday. gonna happen? They're gonna have make a Ice cream sundaes on top of their heads. That was a, a challenge for the youth group. If the youth group it started with, if the if the kids in the church and the teens were to raise a hundred dollars, they could throw a pie in Brother Spencer's face. And it expanded from the hundred was raised very quickly. So then it went to two hundred. Then mm. it would include Brother Cameron as well, and <sighs> as a youth pastor. And then it. That was raised, so it got expanded. To, if they could raise five hundred, then the wives would also be involved with that. God's not in it. <laughs> it's it's bad. It's horrible. So, so some, they're, they're going to make a Sunday on the top of your head. On the top of their heads. How are they going to do that? I got a big head. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> very, very messy is what it'll be. It'll be yeah, very messy. It'll be a big mess. But I, I'm going to make one on my wife's head. She's going to make one on my head. And uh, so it's going to be exciting. 
going to be exciting. So, but <laughs> well, uh, it won't take much to wash it out of your head. But no. uh, that poor wife of yours. I know. Pray for yeah. her. Pray for her. She brought a sour cap, but they say she can't use it. It's got to go in there. So I'll pray that she'll stay with you even after <laughs> this is all over. I know. Yeah. I know. This the things we do for the Lord. It's just it's bad. <laughs> yeah. It's bad. So. Yep. Uh, but we're here in, in studio with, with Brother John, or Brother, Brother Bob Hamlin. <laughs> I almost said John Hamlin, I'm sorry. Brother yeah. Bob Hamlin, and uh, appreciate him and his time here. And he's been telling us some stories about some things that uh, that he's seen in his ministry, some exciting things, some powerful things. And uh, we were talking about John Rice and his book on prayer, also The Trail of Blood. And uh, what other books would you would you recommend for good Christian people to read every year? What, what would you say, preacher? Well, that other one. By Ravenhill, why revival tarries. Yes. See, the whole thing about revival is God wants to send it. Yes, sir. Hmm. Yeah. God God wants to continue to show his power. Right. And um and he wants to send it. And and so he gives us he he gives us the prescription in Second <clears throat> Chronicles. He said, If my people, which are called by my name, well, that narrows it down to just one group, hmm. you yeah. know. People in our day would say people who are born again, hmm. God's people, shall humble themselves. Hmm. That means to publicly bow the knee mm-hmm. and pray. Hmm. Hmm. Effectual, fervent hmm. prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Going on and on. Dr. Rice was a prayer warrior. Tell you, I'll tell you a story about Dr. Rice, and I'll tell you another story about a prayer warrior. One year, we were we were having Dr. Rice. What is that? that the, the sprinkles. The sprinkles. <laughs> she heard me. Yeah, that's the sprinkles. Uh, one one year we we always had Dr. Rice. This was back in the seventies out in Maryland, on the week of his birthday, hmm. the first week of December. Hmm. Well, this one year, we wanted to surprise him. Mm-hmm. So, without him knowing it, we flew his wife up from Murfreesboro, Tennessee, mm-hmm. to be with him to celebrate his birthday. Mm-hmm. Well, the pastor's wife went over. She she went in to fill in a bumper flight over to Wilmington, I think is how it was. Anyway, no, maybe she went down to Philadelphia Airport to pick up Mrs. Rice. So... Coming back, during their conversation, Mrs. Rice told the preacher's wife, she said, you know, John and I raised six daughters. Hmm. And she said, when the last one went off to college, Hmm. I said to him, John, all the girls are gone now. There's nothing to keep me at home. Hmm. So I'll be able to travel with you now. In the meetings. Oh, he said, no, you're not going to do that. She said, why? He said, because you'll get in the the way. Mm -hmm. You'll be a hindrance to me. Mm -hmm. You know, all the work he had to do, the office work with the sword of the Lord. There's a lot goes into that thing and the different things. And she said, well, if I can't travel with you, what am I going to do? He said, you'll just have to find, you just have to find a ministry. Mm-hmm. So she decided to just be a soul winner. Mm. Her pastor at that time, Dr. Bob Kelly, told me 
said, Mrs. John R. Rice is the best soul winner in our church. Wow. And she's up in her 70s when this is all happening. said, every week mm. she brings me cards, be the people she's led to the mm. Lord, or mm. prospects that need follow-up. Mm. Wow. So she just turned her attention. Rather than to get all fussed up about it, mm-hmm. she just... But see, that was the thinking back in those days. Yeah. You thought about ministry, mm-hmm. maybe to an extreme. Yeah. But I'd rather have that mm-hmm. than what I'm seeing today. Hmm. Yeah. There are some fellows uh, that are propagating an idea that you reach 65 or 70, you ought to get out of the ministry. Hmm. Well, that's nuts. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. You know, you can't have a man tell you that. Right. What would Moses said about that? I don't think he had a positive opinion about well, that. I don't think he did either. He was 80 years old when he <laughs> got busy for God. So anyway, going back to this business of praying mm-hmm. and the importance of it. There's a man. I'm not sure he's still alive. His name is Sammy Allen. Mm-hmm. Uh, he pastors a church. There's a big camp meeting down in a place called Resaca, Georgia. He's, he's still around. I've been there. Well, he's not in good health the last time I heard. No, I've heard. He's, yeah, I heard he's having some struggles. Yeah. He's anyway, I, I was with Brother Sam in a meeting out in, down in Virginia. This mm-hmm. was in the early, early 80s. And um, I, was, I was preaching. Billy Goolsby and I were preaching uh, in a church, preaching a conference. And Brother Sam was down the road and. So this pastor uh, wanted to have a morning, a morning session mm-hmm. where he brought Bill and I, and then he brought Brother Allen up to preach that morning. Mm-hmm. So he preached, and we had the, the preaching, and then we, we were sitting down at what we country people call dinner. Mm-hmm. City right. folks call it evening meal dinner. But <laughs> right. Country folks call it the big meals right. dinner. It's, it's noon meal. Anyway, so we're sitting down at dinner. So Brother Allen's sitting across from me. Now, I'd been in meetings. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd gotten the Sammy shower. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he was sweat so much, man. It just poured off him like a shower, you know. Mm-hmm. You, you could hear the sweat sloshing in his shoes. Mm-hmm. Wow. Tie, his tie would be deep dripping wet with sweat. He'd wow. Get that. In the middle of the summer, as soon as he gets done, he got to put an overcoat on, you know, to keep yeah. from. So anyway, so I'd heard him preach. Mm-hmm. Couldn't stand to watch him. Yeah. Just make you so nervous, mm-hmm. man. Mm-hmm. But uh, he'll quote a hundred scriptures, man. Oh, man. yeah. And you can let, you just, I mean, it just overwhelms you. It's great mm-hmm. preaching. Mm-hmm. So he's got this camp. Mm-hmm. He was preaching like 48 revivals a year. Mm-hmm. He's pastoring the church, running about 250. Mm-hmm. And um, so I asked him, I said, Brother Sam, how in the world? Do you keep all that going? How, how do you do that? Mm-hmm. How, how how do you hold up under all that? I used to preach 45 revivals a year. Yeah. Brother, I'm going to tell you, even for a young man, I was considerably younger then. Take a toll on you. Yeah. He was doing that, pastoring Faith Baptist, him and still extended blue. Mm-hmm. And uh, then he's got that camp and, mm-hmm. and all those revivals. And he said... Um, he said, my prayer time, brother, prayer, my prayer time. Shake his head. Yeah. My prayer time. He said, nobody, nobody gets my prayer time. Mm. 
Wow. But I said, well, how much do you pray every day? Oh, he said, I don't, I don't ever tell anybody that. But he said, I'll tell you this. Nobody gets my prayer time. Wow. So in a few minutes, he got up and went out with Goolsby to do something in his driver. He always had a driver mm-hmm. take him wherever he went. His driver come over to me and he said, let me tell you about some brother Sammy. Hmm. He said, when we're driving, he said, he's always in the back seat. Hmm. He said, Sammy Allen never prays less than two hours a day. Wow. So you wonder how he's able to hold up on that kind of schedule. Hmm. It's because the power and the grace that God hmm bestows upon somebody Hmm. who's totally committed and sold out to the work of God. Amen. Amen. So anyway. Do you see that in uh, in your ministry? Did you see that that was a consistent pattern? The men that God used were the men that God, that were the men that gave themselves to prayer? For the most part. Yes, sir. Hmm. Yes, sir. Wow. Uh, There may be some exceptions. I I don't, I don't know, Mm -hmm. but uh, you, you, you name names and, and a lot of them, I can tell you hmm. how much they prayed. And they didn't brag about it. They usually found out from somebody else. Right, sure. But they prayed. Yeah. Dr. Ford Porter prayed for hours and hours hmm. uh, every Sunday morning. Wow. Laying on his altar hmm. from 3 to 8 or 9 o'clock. Yeah. Just pouring out his heart, praying, weeping. Wow. And here's the thing, another thing, too. That, sh- that shows up in a prayer warrior's ministry. Hmm. A prayer warrior weeps when he preaches. Wow, wow. Yeah. Dr. Porter, I don't think I ever saw or heard him ever preach without tears running down his cheeks. Wow, wow. So they go hand in hand. Yeah, you know. sure, sure. Wow, so, wow, wow. Well, that meeting that I was telling you about in, in Bear, Delaware, where... Those 19 adults got saved on that last night. Mm-hmm. I was, uh, you're not going to believe this, but but I'm telling the truth. I'll, I'll let you know when I'm not telling the truth. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and, uh, se- several years later, I was in a in a meeting south of south of of uh, Bear, Delaware, in a in a place called. Uh, Perrysville, Maryland. Mm. And uh, I preached that message and told some of those stories and told about that lady praying for her wayward daughter Mm. all that time. After the service, a lady come over to me and she said, uh, she said, I was in that meeting. Mm. I used to go to that church up there. And she said, that night, I promised God that I was going to set time. She didn't say it was going to do it like that lady in Illinois did. She said, I'm going to set aside. I promised God I've set aside time to fast and pray for my unsaved husband to be saved. Wow. Well, there were some fellows. There were some fellows on the platform that was... Doing a little, doing a little jamming mm-hmm. with their <clears throat> guitars and banjos, and yeah. and the uh, end of the guitar hit me on the shoulder. Yeah, and 
I looked back and he looked up and he said, and here I am. And that was her husband. Wow. Uh, out of that meeting, she prayed and fasted for him. I don't know how long. Wow. But her husband got saved. Wow. I was back in that church in, up there in Maryland uh, a, one or two years later, just going through there. I was back there later on for more meetings, but I was just in there for a Sunday night on my mm-hmm. way somewhere else. And so I preached just the Sunday nights. It's either one or two years after after that experience with that lady, lady and her wayward daughter. And I'm standing with the preacher shaking people's hands as they're going out. And an, an elderly woman, I would have called her elderly then. I would call her a kid now because she was <laughs> only in her 50s. But uh, she said, I remember you. She said, I know you. She said, you were here a couple of years ago. Mm. You talked about fasting and praying. She said, I didn't tell anybody, but I went forward that night. Promised God that I was going to fast and pray on a regular basis Mm. for my husband to get saved. Wow. Said we'd tried to win him to Christ. And I called him one day. I said, Brother Everett, my husband's up in the hospital. I know you've talked to him before. They don't think he's going to make it. Would you try one more time to mm-hmm. meet him a little? Her lips started quivering. She said, Brother Britton went up there, mm-hmm. led my unsaved husband to Christ. Wow. She said he got out of the hospital, come to church, got baptized, mm-hmm. lived for the Lord for several months, and, mm. and then I buried him. Wow. But she said, he's in heaven mm-hmm. because I learned the importance of fasting and praying. Wow. wow. So she went out. Some others come. Here come another lady about the same age. Mm. You're not going to believe this. I thought I was in the twilight zone. Yeah, she said, "I remember you." Mm-hmm. She said, "You're the one that taught us about fasting and praying." Mm-hmm. I said, "That's right." She said, "That that night that you preached on that, she said, I didn't tell anybody, but I went forward. Promised God that I was going to set aside some time on a regular basis, that I was going to fast and pray for my unsaved husband mm-hmm. to get saved." Mm-hmm. And she stepped back and she said, "Here he is." Mm-hmm. Wow. He'd got saved. Wow. Wow. Got baptized. Wow. So. Wow. Praise the Lord. So we just need to go back to doing what those people did. Man. When they had the power of God. Yes, sir. Right. You know. Yeah. Well, I'm convinced there's so much more we could have had. And I remember when I was at, uh, in Bible college, Dr. Sexton always taught us, he said, I'd hate to go to heaven. And the Lord said, here's what I could have given you. Oh, yeah. You know, if you just had it and prayed for it and sought me for it. So, well, this has been a blessing, Brother Hamlin. Thank you so much for your time. And we yes. appreciate that so very much. Brother yeah. Bob Hamlin, and uh, appreciate him and his time here. And he's been telling us some stories about some things that, uh, that he's seen in his ministry, some exciting things, some powerful things. And uh, we were talking about John Rice and his book on prayer, also The Trail of Blood. And uh, what other books would you would you recommend for good Christian people to read every year? What, what would you say, preacher? Well, that other one by Ravenhill, Why Revival Tarries. Yes. And see, the whole thing about revival is 
God wants to send it. Yes, sir. Hmm. Yeah. God God wants to continue to show his power. Right. And um, and he wants to send it. And and so he gives us he he gives us the prescription in Second Chronicles. <clears throat> he said, If my people which are called by my name, well, that narrows it down to just one group. Hmm. You yeah. know? People in our day would say people who are born again, hmm. God's people. Shall humble themselves. Mm. That means to publicly bow the knee mm-hmm. and pray. Mm. Effectual, fervent mm-hmm. prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Going on and on. Dr. Rice was a prayer warrior. I'll tell you, I'll tell you a story about Dr. Rice, and I'll tell you another story about a prayer warrior. One year. We were we were having Doctor Rice. What is that? The, the sprinkles. The sprinkles. <laughs> she heard me. Yeah. That's the sprinkles. Uh, one one year we we always had Doctor Rice. This was back in the seventies out in Maryland on the week of his birthday, hmm. the first week of December. Hmm. Well, this one year we wanted to surprise him. Hmm. So. Without him knowing it, we flew his wife up from Murfreesboro, Tennessee, mm-hmm. to be with him to celebrate his birthday. Mm-hmm. Well, the pastor's wife went over. She she went in to fill in a bumper flight over to Wilmington, I think is how it was. Anyway, no, maybe she went down to Philadelphia Airport to pick up Mrs. Rice. So coming back, during their conversation, Mrs. Rice told the preacher's wife, she said, you know, John and I raised six daughters. Hmm. And she said, when the last one went off to college, Hmm. I said to him, John, all the girls are gone now. There's nothing to keep me at home. Hmm. So I'll be able to travel with you now Hmm. in the meetings. Oh, he said, no, you're not going to do that. She said, "Why?" He said, "Cause you'll get in the you'll get in the way. Mm-hmm. You'll be a hindrance to me. Mm-hmm. You know all the work he had to do, the office work with the sword of the Lord. There's a yeah. lot goes into that thing and the different things." And she said, "Well, if I can't travel with you, what am I going to do?" He said, "You'll just have to find you just have to find a ministry." Mm-hmm. So she decided to just be a soul winner. Mm. Her pastor at that time, Dr. Bob Kelly, told me, said, Mrs. John R. Rice is the best soul winner in our church. Wow. And she's up in her 70s when this has all happened. said, every week mm. she brings me cards, be the people she's led to the mm. Lord, or mm. prospects that need follow-up. Mm. Wow. So she just turned her attention rather than to get all fussed up about it mm-hmm. she just but see that was the thinking back in those days yeah you thought about ministry mm-hmm. maybe to an extreme yeah but i'd rather have that mm-hmm. than what i'm seeing today hmm. yeah there are some fellows uh, that are propagating an idea that you reach 65 or 70 you ought to get out of the ministry hmm. well that's nuts yeah that's crazy yeah you know you can't have a man tell you that. Right. What would Moses said about that? 
I don't think he had a positive opinion about well, that. I don't think he did either. He was 80 years old when he <laughs> got busy for God. So anyway, going back to this business of praying mm-hmm. and the importance of it. There's a man, I'm not sure he's still alive. His name is Sammy Allen. Mm-hmm. Uh, he pastors a church, has a big camp meeting down in a place called Resaca, Georgia. He's, he's still around. I've been there. Well, he's not in good health the last time I heard. No, I've heard he's, yeah, I heard he's having some struggles. But yeah. he's anyway, I, I was with Brother Sam in a meeting out in, down in Virginia. This mm-hmm. is in the early, early 80s. And um, I, was, I was preaching. Billy Goolsby and I were preaching uh, in a church, preaching a conference. And Brother Sam was down the road. And so this pastor uh, wanted to have a morning a morning session mm-hmm. where he brought Bill and I, and then he brought Brother Allen up to preach that morning. Mm-hmm. So he preached, and we had the, the preaching, and then we we were sitting down at what we country people call dinner. Mm-hmm. City right. folks call it evening meal dinner. But <laughs> right. Country folks call it the big meals right. dinner. It's, it's noon meal. Anyway, so we're sitting down at dinner. So Brother Allen's sitting across from me. Now I'd been in meetings. Mm-hmm. I'd I'd gotten the Sammy shower. Yeah, uh, <laughs> he was sweat so much, man. It just poured off him like a shower. You know, mm-hmm. you, you could hear the sweat sloshing in his shoes. Mm-hmm. Wow, tie, his tie would be deep dripping wet with sweat. He'd wow. get that in the middle of the summer. As soon as he gets done, he got to put an overcoat on. You know, to keep yeah. from. So anyway, so I'd heard him preach. Mm-hmm. Couldn't stand to watch him. Yeah. Just make you so nervous, mm-hmm. man. Mm-hmm. But uh, he'll quote a hundred scriptures, man. Oh yeah. yeah, and you can let you just—I mean, it just overwhelms you. It's great mm-hmm. preaching. Mm-hmm. So he's got this camp. Mm-hmm. He was preaching like forty-eight revivals a year. Mm-hmm. He's pastoring the church, running about two hundred and fifty. Mm-hmm. And um, so I asked him. I said, "Brother Sam, how in the world?" Do you keep all that going? How, how do you do that? Mm-hmm. How, how how do you hold up under all that? I used to preach 45 revivals a year. Yeah. Brother, I'm going to tell you, even for a young man, I was considerably younger then. Take a toll on you. Yeah. He was doing that, pastor and faith Baptist, him and still extended blue. Mm-hmm. And uh, then he's got that camp and, mm-hmm. and all those revivals. And he said... Um, he said, my prayer time, brother, prayer, my prayer time. Shake his head. Yeah. My prayer time. He said, no, but nobody gets my prayer time. Wow. But I said, well, how much do you pray every day? Oh, he said, I don't, I don't ever tell anybody that. But he said, I'll tell you this. Nobody gets my prayer time. Wow. So in a few minutes, he got up and went out with Goolsby to do something in his driver. He always had a driver mm-hmm. take him wherever he went. Mm-hmm. His driver come over to me and he said, let me tell you about some brother Sammy. Hmm. He said, when we're driving, he said, he's always in the back seat. Hmm. He said, Sammy Allen never prays less than two hours a day. Wow. So you wonder how he's able to hold up with that kind of schedule. Hmm. It's because the power and the grace that God hmm. bestows upon somebody. Mm. Who's totally committed wow. and sold out wow. to the work of God. Amen. 
Amen. So anyway, do you see that in uh, in your ministry? Did you see that that was a consistent pattern? The men that God used were the men that God that were the men that gave themselves to prayer for the most part. Yes, yeah. sir. Hmm. Yes, sir. Wow. Uh, there may be some exceptions. I, I don't. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But uh, you 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 name names and and a, a lot of them I can tell you. Hmm. How much they prayed, and they didn't brag about it. They usually found out from somebody else, right? Sure. But they prayed. Yeah. Doctor Ford Porter prayed for hours and hours. Hmm. Uh, every Sunday morning. Wow. Laying on his altar hmm. from three to eight or nine o'clock. Yeah. Just pouring out his heart, praying, weeping. Wow. And here's the thing. Another thing too. That, sh- that shows up in a prayer warrior's ministry. Hmm. A prayer warrior weeps when he preaches. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Dr. Porter, I don't think I ever saw or heard him ever preach without tears running down his cheeks. Wow. Wow. So they go hand in hand. Yeah. You know. Sure. Sure. Wow. So, wow. Wow. Well, that meeting that I was telling you about in, in Bear, Delaware, where those 19 adults got saved on that last night. Mm-hmm. I was, uh, you're not going to believe this, but but I'm telling the truth. I'll, I'll let you know when I'm not telling the truth. <laughs> Thank you. And, uh, <laughs> se- several years later, I was in a in a meeting south of south of of uh, Bear, Delaware, in a in a place called. Uh, Perrysville, Maryland. Mm. And uh, I preached that message and told some of those stories and told about that lady praying for her wayward daughter mm. all that time. After the service, lady come over to me and she said, uh, she said, I was in that meeting. Mm. I used to go to that church up there. And she said, that night, I promised God that I was going to set time. She didn't say it was going to do it like that lady in Illinois did. She said, I'm going to set aside. I promised God I've set aside time to fast and pray for my unsaved husband to be saved. Wow. Well, there were some fellows. There were some fellows on the platform that was... Doing a little, doing a little jamming mm-hmm. with their <clears throat> guitars and banjos, and yeah. and the uh, end of the guitar hit me on the shoulder. Yeah, and I looked back, and he looked up, and he said, "And here I am," and that was her husband. Wow! <laughs> Out of that meeting, she prayed and fasted for him. I don't know how long, wow. but her husband got saved. Wow! I was back in that church and up there in Maryland. Uh, uh, one or two years later just going through there I was back there later on for more meetings but I was just in there for a Sunday night on my mm-hmm. way somewhere else and so I preached just a Sunday night he's either one or two years after after that experience with that lady, lady and her wayward daughter and I'm standing with the preacher shaking people's hands as they're going out and an, an elderly woman I would have called her elderly then. I would call her a kid now because she was only in her 50s. But uh, she said, I remember you. 
She said, I know you. She said, you were here a couple of years ago. Mm. You talked about fasting and praying. She said, I didn't tell anybody, but I went forward that night. Promised God that I was going to fast and pray on a regular basis mm. for my husband to get saved. Wow. Said we'd tried to win him to Christ. And I called him one day. I said, Brother Everett, my husband's up in the hospital. I know you've talked to him before. They don't think he's going to make it. Would you try one more time to mm. lead him to the Lord? Her lips started quivering. She said, Brother Britton went up there, hmm. led my unsaved husband to Christ. Wow. She said he got out of the hospital, come to church, got baptized, mm -hmm. lived for the Lord for several months, and, hmm. and then I buried him. Wow. But she said, he's in heaven mm -hmm. because I learned the importance of fasting and praying. Well, wow. So she went out. Some others come here, come another lady about the same age. Hmm. You're not going to believe this. I thought I was in the twilight zone. Yeah. She said, I remember you. Hmm. She said, you're the one that taught us about fasting and praying. Mm -hmm. I said, that's right. She said, that, that night that you preached on that, she said, I didn't tell anybody, but I went forward. Promised God that I was going to set aside some time on a regular basis that I was going to fast and pray for my unsaved husband hmm. to get saved. Hmm. And she stepped back and she said, here he is. Hmm. Wow. He'd got saved. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Got baptized. Wow. So, wow. Praise the Lord. So we just need to go back to doing what those people did Amen. when they had the power of God. Yes, sir. Right. You know. Yeah. Well, I'm convinced there's so much more we could have had. And uh, I remember when I was at, at, uh, in Bible college, Dr. Sexton always taught us, he said, I'd hate to go to heaven. And the Lord said, here's what I could have given you. Oh, yeah. You know, if you just had it and prayed for it and sought me for it. So, well, this has been a blessing, Brother Hamlin. Thank you so much for your time. And we yes. appreciate that so very much. Uh, we need to do this again. I, I think it'd be great and beneficial, and and appreciate all that. Thank you so much for the Hamlin for your time. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is WIP Radio Shareathon. We're going to take a break here, but give us a call five zero two five three one zero five three four. I got another pledge here in front of me from Miss Shelby Cooper. A pledge for ten dollars from Brother Spencer's favorite toxic twin. Amen. <laughs> you know, Evelyn, Shelby and Evelyn are real good friends, and I call them the toxic twins. Oh, Amen. Boy. So <laughs> praise the Lord. Thank you, Shelby, for that, that pledge of ten dollars and. That puts us at uh, right at four thousand ninety-seven fifty-five, and uh, we're looking forward to reaching our goal of seven thousand dollars. Give us a call five zero two five three one zero five three four five zero two five three one zero five three four. Got the hour marker coming up. Got uh, Born Again from Indiana, Sound Doctrine, True Harmony, the Bass Mountain Boys, Seminole String Band, a bunch of good people, and Church here seven thirty tonight. Stay with us five zero two five three one zero five three four. God bless you guys.